uh, in your Bibles here, just as a text verse, uh, I want to read 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse number 8. For the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing as we'll, we'll read it as we go through the text tonight. But just verse number 8, he says, Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. He had planned his attack against Israel. This evening, I'm going to speak on the enemy of Israel. I will be applying this in some aspects to the current conflict that is present. And hopefully just to see some, some truths. We, we see that from this passage of Scripture, I want you to know that conflict in Israel and between Israel and the Arab nations is something that is not new. It has been present since the pages of Scripture until today, and will continue until the Lord comes back. It's not something that is, that is current uh, events, although it's something that's happening currently. It's something that has taken place over history. And don't get too uh, labored tonight. I'm not sure. I'm not going to get very political. I, I just want to remind us of some things, and really from the Scripture, about this nation of Israel, that are God's chosen people. Uh, and God, even from this passage of Scripture until now, there's some things that we can see about how God deals with His people in a miraculous way. But then I also want to, at the same time, don't let the fact that it is tied to a current event or something that's happening today rob you of applying it to your own heart and from getting something personally from it, because the Word of God is for our learning. It's here for us to gain and to get what wisdom we need. So as we speak this evening for just a few minutes on this idea of the enemy of Israel, I want you to see, first of all, the invasion plan. There was an invasion plan. We see beginning again in verse number 8, And the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. But we see here, and the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place, for thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing, and he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet that is in Israel, telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Danath. Therefore sent he their, their horses and chariots and a great host, and they came by night and compassed the city about. So we see the invasion plan here, that it was Syria's plan to set a surprise attack to set an ambush in place. When the children of Israel weren't ready, when the children weren't expecting it, 
they had set up an ambush. Does that sound similar to what took place on October 7th? An ambush, a time taking advantage of a day and a place when the people wouldn't be ready for it. I want you to know that this has happened over and over and over and over again in the history of Israel. This is not something that just happened now. We see it on the pages of Scripture here, and if you take some time and read some history, you'll see over and over and over again, when I was in Israel and had the privilege of, of touring the Holy Land, uh, you're there at historical sites, you're there at sites where you can look and see uh, in the pages of Scripture things that we read about, and you're in the actual location where those things are taking place, and it's amazing but at the same time, you look at the building and you'll see holes in the building from the gunshots. You'll see holes in the buildings from the uh, mortars that exploded nearby. And they'll tell you that, that oh yeah, a rocket exploded here uh, three weeks ago. There was a rocket that exploded right here on this street. And I'm like, well, what are we doing here then? <laughs> this is not really, uh, yeah, it, it comes over these surprise attacks and they're prevalent throughout history. I want you to know that under the direction of the Lord, 1,600 years before the rise of Islam, Israel as a nation, as a people, were already in the promised land. There is this thought of the moral equivalency and that, that, that you know, these both people occupied this space or whatever, but under the direction of God, 1,600 years before the others were there, God put Israel in this land and said that this was their land. God established the kingdom and set up David as their king, and he ruled from the city of Jerusalem. Over and over and over again in Israel's history, they've made concessions to try and have peace. I, I, I am not a historian, and nor am I necessarily extremely well-versed uh, on the history of Israel, but I looked some things up to try and get a, a better understanding. And in 1948, when David Ben-Gurion and others... Uh, were able to declare Israel as an independent state, they formed a constitution. And in their constitution, it states that Israel is a state for all. It's a state for all people. Specifically, they request and ask that the Arab nations stay and be part of Israel. They were saying, we want this to be a place for all. We want this to be a place for peace for everybody to prosper and thrive. Instead of responding to that declaration of peace and saying, let's all live together, let's, let's be happy together, let's find a way to coexist, all of the neighboring nations around Israel declared war on it. They had a plan to wipe out the state. Well, their attempt failed. Just 20 years later, in 1967, this is only 30 years after the Holocaust, all of the Arab nations once again gathered together in a uh, goal set forth to wipe Israel off the map. They were planning to win a massive victory against the nation of Israel. However, somehow Israel heard about it. The nation of Israel found out what was going to happen. And if you've heard anything about Israel's history, you've heard about the miraculous Six-Day War. You had this little bitty nation in the middle of all of these other Arab nations. They were all planning to wipe Israel off the map. Israel heard about it, and Israel said, well, we're going to do something about this. And they began to fight for their, their right to live, to exist. And in six days, they defeated their enemy completely. They took, they took all of the land from 
Lebanon, all the way down to the other side of Egypt. In six days, they conquered it all. They held all of that land under their control. At the conclusion of the war, they sat down with the UN and they said, listen, we don't want to rule anybody else's land. We don't want to, we, we just want to be recognized as a nation. We'll make whatever concessions are necessary. We'll happily sit down at the table and, and adjust and do whatever we need to do so that we can live at peace. The Arab nations came back with what is known as the three no's. They said no peace, no recognition, and no negotiation. That's how they stood on it. Israel said, we'll be happy to make peace. We'll be happy to find a, a solution here that works. At that time, they gave back, they, they controlled all of Egypt. They could have kept it. But they gave back all of Egypt and said, listen, we just want the promised land. We want this area. They controlled it all, but they gave Egypt back. They made many other concessions, and it didn't really matter what they did. The surrounding nations wouldn't have anything to do with it. The enemies of Israel refused to allow peace. This is similar, beloved, to the way that Satan works in our lives. Satan will come with a surprise attack when you least expect it. At a time when your guard is down, at a time you think everything's all right, you know what I've seen over the years, it usually will come uh, maybe right after a great victory. Because you've experienced this great victory and you're on the top and you're, you're on the winning side and you feel like, boy, I've got the world by the tail and I'm, I'm, I'm on top of it and I'm ready to go and you feel like you're doing great. And then all of a sudden Satan will come and wham, he'll hit you. He'll bring that surprise attack, that ambush against you. And that's why God tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. There may be periods of time in your life where you enjoy a measure of silence from Satan, where there is not open conflict between you and him and you feel like things are going okay. But be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary is still there. The nation of Israel has to stand at attention and be ready all the time because the enemies are all around them. Satan is all around you and he'll do all he can to destroy you. He is right now planning his next attack against you, the Christian. We must constantly be watching for his ambush. The nation of Israel had Elisha on their side and Elisha warns the king. Jehoram, in verse number 9, we see he says, And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place. He says the Syrians are there. They're set up. They have an ambush in place for you. Don't go that way. And the king tests him out and checks to see, and it is, in fact, that, that that's the case. And they're able to avoid the ambush, not, not once or twice, but it, the implication here, several times they had set a trap and God had provided deliverance. Elisha knew that Jehoram was not a God-honoring king. He was not one of the kings that did good. He, he as a wicked king, but... He was the king of Israel. And I don't understand it and I can't explain it all. But they're God's people. 
and God protects his people. And you see it all through the pages of Scripture, and you see it even till now where this little group of people in the Six-Day War and in several conflicts since then, it's actually mind-boggling how this little bitty group of people continue to win. Victory after victory after victory. Why? Because God protects his people. We see God over and over protecting his people. He uses the man of God to give the people, the king, a warning. Can I tell you that God provides you and I a warning? Many times in our life, he will use the word of God or the spirit of God to try and warn you about Satan's oncoming attack. He'll try and warn you, listen, don't go down this path or don't go do this because Satan is right there and he's going to take you out. And if we would but hear and respond to the spirit of God or to the wisdom of the word, we could avoid being defeated or ambushed by Satan. Sometimes... God may even use a brother or sister in Christ that would come to you and say, listen, brother, I love you. I just want to encourage you. This is not good for your family. This is not a direction that you should go. I want to encourage you. You ought to be doing this or you shouldn't be doing that. Could I I implore you? Hear the warning from God. Don't just... Don't get angry. Don't reject it. Don't put it off and say, oh, you know, who who are you? Who do you think you are? Listen, we're all just sinners. We're all just sinners saved by grace. Just piles of dirt put together by the miraculous hand of God. And if any of us are really honest, we know what we are. I'm not saying nobody ever does it, but the majority of the time if somebody comes to you, it's not because they think they're better than you. It's probably because they've got some scars that they're wearing because they went down a road they shouldn't have. And they're just trying to help you avoid having them. They're just trying to be a help. Heed the warning that God brings. Let it save you from going down that path, from opening yourself up to the ambush of Satan. You can avoid those traps. The enemy here was so confused. They set a trap and somehow Israel went another way. They're like, surely Israel's coming this way. Okay, guys. And they set a trap and Israel went another way. So much so that the king of Syria said, all right, one of you guys is telling the enemy what we're doing. One of you guys is a spy for the enemy. And somebody on their crew was wise enough to know, and they said, not so. Haven't you heard? It's Elisha. It's the man of God. Somehow he's able to tell what you say in the privacy of your own bedchamber. Nothing is hid from God. Nothing is hid from God. The enemy was so confused. So Ben-Hadad decides that he must capture Elisha. He's going to capture him. He says, all right, let's set a trap for Elisha. Let's go get him. The king of Syria knew that if they're going to defeat them, they must get Elisha. So they set a trap for him. 
You know, sometimes Satan knows that if he's going to get you, that first he's got to get somebody else in your life. See, the king knew if we were going to defeat Israel, first we got to get this guy right here. Elisha stands as a testament of the power of God and God's direction and God's leading. And, 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 and we could take out Israel if we could take him out. You know, Satan knows there's somebody in your life that is an influence to you, that's an encouragement to you, that's a help to you. And Satan knows if, they could, if, if he could take him out, he probably could get you. And I tell you, there's been times in my life where I had men that I looked up to, that I respected, that I just thought, boy, if I could just be like them, I would be a successful and godly Christian. And, and uh, boy, that would be something to aspire to. And Satan gets them. Can I tell you, there's been times that I felt like quitting. I looked at it and I said, man, if they, if they can't do it, if they, could, if they can't make it, if they can't win the victory over Satan, boy, what, what chance do I have? There's been times it's been very close that Satan was able to get me because he got somebody else. Be careful where you put your focus. Who it is that you're relying on. Not that we shouldn't be an encouragement to one another. We should. But our focus should be on Christ. Satan knows many times that if he could get mom and dad, he could get the children. So mom and dad got to stand strong. But that's also why, kids, you need your own relationship with God. You need your own spirituality. Don't rely on mom and dad's spirituality. We know, of course, that Satan would love to go after the pastor because of the damage that it causes to the cause of Christ, to the church, to the brethren. You see, Satan will go, out, go after any source of strength that you have. Maybe right now you're strong and, and you can stand, but Satan knows that where you're getting your source of strength is from here or from there or from there. You know, maybe, and it, this is something you should be getting strength from, is from your own private walk with God. But you know, Satan might know, you know what? If I could disrupt that private walk if I could just distract them, if I could keep them from getting in the book, praise God. And what an encouragement tonight, Brother uh, Brad, reading through the scriptures all those times. You know, I know he didn't do it for a pat on the back, but you know what? I'm the pastor, and that challenged me. It challenged me. How much are we in the book? Satan says, man, if we could disrupt that, that quiet time, if we could somehow distract them or get something in there, keep them from getting that strength they need, maybe not today, but down the road a little bit, we'll be able to get them. You see, he's going to attack any source of strength that you have. The enemy came by night to take out Elisha when he was asleep. Satan wants to catch us when our guard is down, when we're not ready. We see here an amazing thing. We see the invisible protection of God. In verse number 15, he says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, the host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots, and his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not. 
For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Amen. Elisha's servant said, uh, you ain't been outside yet, buddy. <laughs> you ain't seen how many people are out there. I saw all the chariots. I saw all these men out there. You know, they're out there to get you. They're, they're not here to try and wage war against the city. They're here for you, and there's a whole bunch of them. Oh, but Elisha, we see here in verse number 17, and Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, and the young man, and he saw and beheld that the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. You see, it's an old saying, but it's a true saying. You and God make a majority. You and God make a majority. In this old world, when it looks like everybody and everything is against you, if God's with you, there's more with you than with them. Because God is on your side. Israel had an invisible protector. And over and over again, down through the pages of history, you can see how God protected the nation of Israel. Just, I wish I was a better historian. I should have had Jacob teach this lesson because he's a good historian. He's got a lot of history. He could probably help give us a lot of insight into different areas here. But over and over again, you see God miraculously protect this small little swath of land. I mean, have you seen a map recently? You seen how little the nation of Israel is and compared to Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and Iran and uh, Egypt and all of these nations around them? It seems like the nations around them could just say, okay, we're done. But for whatever reason, they can't. That's because God. God has chosen to protect them through all these years. When we were in Israel, it was amazing. There was some kid wearing a T-shirt. And it said, all the nations that stood against Israel. And there was a list of nations, like 14 of them, that no longer existed. 14 of them that were just gone. And you, I mean, you guys would recognize them. And I should have took a picture of that shirt because I never forgot seeing that. It's just amazing testament to God's invisible protection of his people. Elisha's servant was worried about the situation. He saw all these people around him. The enemy was great. And he thought, what hope do we have? You see, the servant only saw the circumstances. You know, oftentimes it's very, very sad, but oftentimes an immature believer will be defeated by the circumstances. It's sad because the circumstances many, many times are, are very... I mean, how many times in your life have you been in, been in a place and you thought, boy, this is it. This is the worst thing ever. This is the end of the road. Oh, my goodness, I'm done. And that was so long ago, you look back at it and you think, I don't know why I was so worried about that. that, that, that that's, I mean, I've been through things 10 times worse than that now. But back then, you were like, this is it. I'm, this, I'm done. This, this, we might as well just throw in the towel. I mean, you're just at the end of your rope. But God brought you through it and over and over again. And many times, it's such a, such a disheartening thing for a pastor when we see young believers and Satan is able to come in with some circumstances around their life and, and get them out. Why? Because you see, Elisha had a confidence in God. He had an assurance of God that is only found in a lifetime of walking with God. 
this young servant of Elisha's was there and he didn't have that confidence because he had not been brought through the fire, because he wasn't lifted up out of the lion's den, because he hadn't been delivered from the paw of a lion or a bear. He hadn't experienced God bringing him through the storm and bringing him to the other side yet. But Elisha had been down that road and he says, oh, don't fear because greater is them that are with us than they that are with the world. Can I ask you tonight, do you have some confidence in God because of the things that he's brought you through? Maybe you're young and you're just starting out in your Christian faith. Listen, Satan's going to attack. He's going to attack. He's going to do all he can to get you out, to get you out of the word, to get you out of church, to get you out of your relationship. Satan's going to do all he can. But if you'll stay in there, God will bring you through and you'll begin to establish a relationship where you see a God that when it takes light, traveling at 286,000 miles a second, 500 years to cross from one star to the next, you'll begin to see a God that can do it in one step. A God that can miraculously deliver you. And you begin to have that confidence You might not see the chariots of fire, but you know that God is there. We see God do this over and over. He answered and he said, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. 1 John 4, 4 says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Elisha reveals to his servant the invisible protection that God had present for them. He prayed and he said, open his eyes that he may see. Beloved, it's through the eyes of faith that we can behold the multitude that is with us. That protecting hand of God that's there in a moment of need. That protecting hand of God that when you take a step that you can't even understand off of a roof (laughs) and you fall 20 feet and somehow do a flip in the air and land on your feet and walk away with only a fractured vertebrae. You say there's a God who's there in a moment of need. There's a God that's present and he'll be there to protect you. He'll be there to help you. I read a sign that said falling rocks. I tried it and it doesn't. (laughs) I want you to see, lastly, the impaired persecutors. The impaired persecutors here. We see in verse number 18, and when they came down to him, this is just amazing. I mean, you see this story, it's just, it's almost comical. He says, and when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, smite this people, I pray thee, with blindness. And he smote them with blindness, according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, this is not the way, neither is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you unto the man whom ye seek. These guys are like, oh, thank you. 
Appreciate that. Look at this nice guy we found. He begins to lead them, and I kind of picture, I, I don't know how, they're all blind. I don't know how many men there were, but they were there. And, and I think about how, like, Bob lets us lead him around, you know. He, he kind of grabs our elbow or something or puts his hand on their shoulder. And we, I'm just wondering if there's a big old long line of men following Elisha. <laughs> He's like, come on, guys, I'll show you where to go. The impaired persecutors, they were ready to take out Elisha, and then now they're all there just following him. Okay, show us where to go. Verse number 20 says, And it came to pass when they were come to Samaria that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Obviously surrounded by soldiers, enemy soldiers. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? You see a little bit of eagerness there, like he's ready. Let's, let's, let's just kill these guys. And here's where you see the mercy and the compassion of our Lord. He says, thou shalt not smite them. He says, wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with the sword and with the bow? He says, no, don't smite them. Instead, why don't you serve them? That's a little different than the way this world responds. This world's all about that smiting them. These guys are the enemy. They were ready to kill us. They were ready to take us out. Boy, we got our chance. Let's kill them right here. God says, no. Instead of smiting them, I want you to serve them. Why don't you put some food before them? Why don't you take care of them and then let them go home with a full belly? He says here, and he answered them, verse number 22, and he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Wouldst thou smite those whom thou hast taken captain with the sword and with the bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. And he prepared great provision for them. And when they had eaten and drunken, and he sent them on the way, and they went to their master. So the bands of Syria came no more unto the land of Israel. God has and will continue to protect his people in a miraculous way, ways that we just can't understand. I mean, it's amazing how he just smote all these men with blindness, and then they were led by the man that they were trying to kill to a place where they were under subjection. The Syrians were confused. They had no idea. I looked it up. Near as I can figure, it's about 12 miles that they had to follow Elisha. So for 12 miles, they were uh, walking along, letting, letting him lead them. It's only God that can do something like this. Only God brings such a miraculous victory. I can't help but think about our court case. This little small church with such few people and very limited means. In a court case against the Valley's Planning Council, which has millions at its disposal. For them, another day in court is not really a big deal. I mean, they just, the, the money is not an issue. And then you put on top of that that we were going against Baltimore County. You talk about a David and Goliath situation. 
And here we are, just a small group, trying to stand up for what's right. And we just put it in God's hands, and we prayed, and we fasted, and we went through it. But you see, in the end, God gave the victory. I remember sitting down with the Valley's Planning Council and saying, what can we do? How can we be at peace? What, what can, I mean, is the steeple's 105 feet on our plans. I said, that's, that, that, if that's, they said it's too big, it's too big. And I said, well, 105 feet's too tall. What if it was only 90 feet? Is that okay? Or what if it's 75 feet? Could we, could we do it for 75 feet? And they said, no, we just don't want you. And they said, well, that's not going to work. I said, we have to come to agreement. The parking lot has got 300 parking spaces. Let's say that's too many. Let's say we make it 100 parking spaces. Would that be okay? Could we do that? And they said, nope, we just don't want you. You see, they, they didn't want to negotiate. They didn't want to talk about any solution coming to any understanding. They just wanted to bulldoze over this little church and unjustly and unlawfully restrict us from being able to build on the property. It took a while, but ultimately God said, nope. It's funny because Don Wilson, one day we were in court, and one of the men stood up and was telling him, you guys aren't ever building that church. And Don Wilson said, well, you can't say anything about it. He says, if God wants the church, there's nothing you can do about it. And that guy got mad. <laughs> I mean, that guy started cussing Don out in the courtroom. And uh, I'm like, Don, stop kicking these people. <laughs> I said, we don't, I said, they're already mad enough. We don't need to make them madder. He says, I just told them God was in control. That's all. That's all I said. Like, well, you know, God is in control. Sometimes we look at this world and we think, you know, we've got it. Or, or we look at the situation and think, boy, there's no way we can get through that. But God's in control. He can bring the victory in a miraculous way that we don't even understand. And we see the compassion of our Lord and Savior, the God of heaven, as he says, don't smite these men. Don't slaughter them, serve them. I think there's a verse that's pretty similar to that over in the book of Proverbs. Where he says to you and I, if thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he be thirsty, give him water to drink. And let God take care of it. Oh, if we could be like that. So what's the lessons for us today? Israel is God's chosen people and God will protect his people. By extension, you and I, as children of God, have been promised the protection of God. I don't believe that the church has replaced Israel. I think Israel is still a nation. I believe they're still God's chosen people. But God's people, Christians, are under the protection hand of God, and God will protect and provide for you and I as well. Just as Assyrians sought to ambush and destroy Israel and unsuspecting, so we have an enemy, Satan, who wants to seek to destroy each and every one of us. And we must be alert to these attacks. God will send warning if we will heed, where we can be protected from that. God wants to give you and I the victory in a miraculous way for those battles we face.